Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Cinnamon rolls and chili on a crisp November day. In the heart of football season, Thanksgiving's on its way. Mashed potatoes, turkeys, green beans not from cans. The Bosco boys are thankful for our diehard bonehead fans. Bosco boys. It's turkey time, boys. Boom, the boys are back with another Thursday whip around show. This one going to look a little bit more traditional. Uh, getting back to what this used to mean. I'll be at the end of the show doing Wildcat Roundup, where I'll talk about the men's basketball win over University of Texas Rio Grande Valley, the women's team kicking off. And hey, the women's volleyball team, the volleyball team getting a big win at Iowa State. Uh, last week, setting them up to at least have a shot to get to postseason play if they can run the table down the stretch. Before we get into it and start hearing from all of our great friends, remember we are sponsored by Manhattan Brewing Company. Next time you're in Manhattan, stop and get a couple pints at the tap room straight from the source, the freshest beer in the entire state of Kansas. And then when you're heading into the Octagon Doom, Bill Snyder Family Stammer, just on with your great day in Manhattan. Take a couple four-packs home with you. And then, yep, exactly, you're 100% right, Chauncey. The next time you're in your local liquor store, if they don't have Manhattan Brewing Company, you talk to them and make sure they do. So now let's first get to Ace Edwards of the Aggieville Alley Cats to give us the K-State Primer. Hello, hello, hello to all the lovely boneheads of the world. I'm Ace Edwards from the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, and I'm here to give you the K-State Primer going into the big, big 12 matchup up against your Kansas State Wildcats and the Baylor Bears down in Waco. But before we talk about the specific Baylor matchup, we should probably discuss the week before, no matter how painful it may be. If you didn't know, K-State ended up losing last week's matchup up against Texas 34-27, with Adrian Martinez notably throwing for over 300 yards, but having two backbreaking turnovers. We also managed to get no sacks up against a Texas offensive line that was well, fine, but nothing too overly special. 
and ultimately ended up getting ran all over by the best running back in the country, and that is B. John Robinson. The biggest story out of this game was how we got down early and just couldn't dig ourselves out of the grave that we ended up digging for ourselves. As frustrating as that Texas game was, there's still a lot of hope for K-State's ultimate goal of going down to Arlington to get a shot at getting a Big 12 championship, which has been the goal really for the entire year. In order to meet that goal, K-State has to win out in their remaining games up against Baylor, West Virginia, and Kansas, as well as hoping Texas drops one of their last three, which includes their first in-conference matchup against TCU, who they have gone 3-7 and seven up against in the last 10 years, the University of Kansas, who beat them last year in Austin, and Baylor, who, is, who the Longhorns are 6-4 and four against them in their last 10 matchups. With that said, Let's look right at the first step for the rest of the season for your Kansas State Wildcats, and that is the defending Big 12 champions in the Baylor Bears. Baylor comes in with an identical record to K-State, that being 6-3 and and 4-2 and in conference play. Notably, their two losses came up against Oklahoma State and West Virginia. The squad, coached by Dave Aranda, is still very much a team that values ball control and defense, and as such rely heavily on their running game in order to set up the rest of their offense. The offense is led by second-year quarterback Blake Shapin, who got his first significant action against K-State last year before eventually leading the Baylor Bears to their Big 12 title win over the Oklahoma State Cowboys. And when they say football is a game of inches, that game is the definition thereof. But in terms of on defense, they have the same system that many people have tried mimicking ever since Dave Aranda came into the conference, and it is a very stingy unit on defense especially when it comes to playing in the red zone. They're only allowing touchdowns on 53.8% of their opponent's red zone opportunities, which is a ridiculously big number. They're a bend-don't-break defense, very much going to take advantage of every single opportunity that they can to make sure that you're going to get only three out of any given offensive drive as opposed to getting six, seven, or eight. If K-State is going to win this game, a few things have to go very, very right for them. First and foremost, they'll have to contain the Baylor running game, specifically the outside zone running game. If K-State is able to do that, the offense becomes extremely predictable. Despite the playmakers and athletes that Baylor has at positions such as wide receiver, and especially number 8, their tight end, Ben Sims. That was the winning formula for both Oklahoma State and West Virginia, who held Baylor to 3.7 yards per carry and 4.8 yards per carry, respectively. In terms of offense, K-State will have to sustain possessions and not get behind the sticks on any given drive, or in the larger sense by not giving up any turnovers. This is a game that will come down to one or two possessions, and K-State can't afford to get behind in possessions like they did up against Texas, because this is not a defense that will just allow you to come back in the second half. They will continue to be stingy the entire game. Complementing that is an offense that will bleed the clock on you if possible, and a defense that punishes you for every single mistake you make while not making too many themselves. If K-State is to walk away the victory in this game, both Adrian Martinez and the linebacking rooms, but specifically Daniel Green and Austin Moore, absolutely need to have good games. Adrian needs to play clean football, which admittedly he's done a pretty good job of at, you know, throughout the rest of the season, but 
He also needs to leverage his athleticism because Baylor, for all of their bright spots on defense, and trust me, there are a lot of them, they have a tendency to let the quarterback break contain, and this is what happened with quarterbacks such as Spencer Sanders. But again, Green and Moore on defense need to stick to their run fits, play disciplined football, and make sure that any and all lanes in the running game are shut down, and they need to be sure to wrap up and tackle. The running back room, that being Baylor's, is one that is pretty good, all things considered. There's no world beaters, but they are generally pretty good backs, and both of them probably will end up playing on Sundays, at least as a UDFA pickup. And they've recently had a third running back come along in the recent months, or as recently as last game, to be honest with you. The three running backs being number 29, Richard Reese, number 28, Quaylen Jones, and number zero, Williams, who has recently come on as recently as the Oklahoma game. And if you're looking for a prediction for how this game is going to go, I'm admittedly a bit more nervous about this game than nearly any this year, but if you are asking for one, I'll hesitantly say that the Cats will overcome adversity down in Waco to get the victory. It's likely that this game comes down to one or two possessions, and whoever wins the turnover battle is very likely to win the game overall. And with how well Adrian Martinez has been taking care of the football, even with the anomaly that was the Texas game, I believe that the K-State offense can play clean enough and get enough opportunities to score, then the defense can take care of the rest on the Baylor offense. Well, that's my time for the primer, ladies and gentlemen. But before I go, if you want to hear a more complete and in-depth scouting report for the Baylor Bears and how K-State matches up with them, please be sure to check out me and my friend Connor Balthazar on the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. We provide the most in-depth scouting report of any K-State podcast in the business, and we would be glad to have you listening. We go through things such as statistics from the previous year, statistics from this year, as well as giving a breakdown on offensive play calling in every single position group. But enough about that. If you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at AggievoAcats. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in cats. If you want to follow me personally, I am at ACEdwards00. And, you know, last but not least, thank you to Scott for having me on. Thank you to the Boneheads for listening. And most importantly, go Cats. There we go. All right, now it is time to get a little bit of a uh, Big 12 Game of the Week preview. Now, this one is a massive one, and things are going our way down in Waco. I think every K-State fan will have their eye turned to Austin, Texas as well. College game day will be in the house, and we are, you know, finding ourselves cheering for our friends, the TCU Horn Frogs. So what did I do? I got... With my friends, Purple Theory, Grant, and Parker. I said, hey boys, set us up for the Texas TCU game. Because it's a big one. It is a massive one. And if things go our way in Waco, and things go our way in Austin, a little bit of Purple Purple Love is back on 
for Arlington. So let's hear what they have to say. Getting us ready for the Big 12 game of the week. Hello, Bosco's boys and uh, all the uh, associated listeners out there. It is uh, Parker and Grant from the Purple Theory podcast, the Internet's only and worst TCU podcast. We're here to talk a little bit about what we hear is being called the game of the week, although um, we in our we in our small town, uh, Fort Worth, just trying to focus on what's ahead of us. Um, TCU plays Texas this weekend. So um, pretty, pretty interesting game. Grant, why don't you tell the folks about Texas Tech this weekend? Texas Tech or Texas? Which one? Well, Texas Tech, TCU won. Oh, so I wanted them to know. About yeah, so TCU, TCU daggum near lost that game in a game that they should not have lost. Uh, came out firing with the Darius Davis pump return. He went up seven to nothing. Uh, Texas Tech kind of stormed back, took the lead. Quentin Johnston was out for TCU. He's a big part of the TCU offense, and TCU's offensive line could not block to save its life against guys like Tyree Wilson and others on the Texas Tech defensive front. Uh, however, they turn things on in the fourth quarter. TC winds up winning 34-24. Um, Kendra Miller had one of his best games of the season at running back. It was a very typical TCU game this year in that the Frogs were down early and somehow turned it on to the second half to win. Which is very fun and also probably bad for our longevity. Um, yes. Expectations for the season. Grant, we just talked about this on our podcast. Eight and four, man. We were very excited. We were both homers I, this this preseason and tried to get us to as many wins as possible and couldn't scrape more than nine wins. So obviously thrilled with what TCU has done. Know that there, there might be some disappointment ahead, but really happy with how TCU has performed given the turmoil and given how just kind of stagnant the program was the last couple of years. Yeah, it's it's this is beyond my wildest dreams as a TCU alumni and fan. Um, it's been really fun to watch. I think the program has been sort of given a breath of fresh air and uh, anything past this point is gravy. With that said, uh, since we're here and TCU's undefeated, uh, playoff or bust, baby. Let's do this thing. <laughs> um <laughs> Big storylines and injuries. I think the biggest thing was Quentin Johnson went out very early against Texas Tech, and TCU's offense kind of struggled to integrate him. Other than that, um, they'll miss D. Winters in the first half. He got tossed for targeting in the second half. Very dumb play. Uh, kind of very very similar to the Julius Brents targeting, where it's just like, man, yeah, it's probably nah, – I understand why they called it, but kind of annoying um, there. And, um, yeah, other than that, TCU is who they are. Grant, who, who are some non-Quentin Johnston people? that uh, Kansas State fans should look at or notice. I guess you said Kendrick Miller as well on, on, on TCU. Yeah, I, I was going to highlight him just on that side of the ball. And, um, he's been sort of, I, I think you alluded to this uh, when, when we recorded, but he's been sort of the rock that TCU's offense has been built upon. Um, he's incredibly reliable. Um, he's averaging something like three yards after contact per rush this year. Um, he's a fantastic back. And when the passing offense isn't going, He's the guy they turn to on defense. I, I really think Abe Kamara um, is sort of the boomer bust player um, in pass coverage. He's either going to make a big play or give up a big play. Um, so I, I would key in on him uh, for TCU. Um, a name that Kansas State fans probably don't know as much. We didn't really hype on uh, him in our preview going into the Kansas State game, but I think he's he's a very key part of the TCU defense. Parker on Texas. I mean, I can tell you Quinn Ewers, but who else are we looking out for? 
Yeah, I think the big name is obviously Xavier Worthy. We saw what he can do and have seen what he can do all season. Um, a guy I'm worried about is Jatavian Sanders, the freshman uh, tight end, who has just been very, very good. And TCU this season has not been very, very good against tight ends. So it'll be interesting to watch kind of how TCU's fit, especially with D Winters out in the first half, kind of is able to account for everyone on the field, especially with such a, a threatening tight end there. Um Obviously, on the other side, uh, or the run run game, uh, Bashan Robinson and Roshan Johnson, maybe maybe the best running back duo in the nation, just in terms of mm-hmm. quality. Two really really good running backs. Both of them could obviously, you know, Roshan could start a lot of places in in college football this year, and um, so they're very very deep there. Um, on the defensive side of things, I think the guy to look at is uh, Demarvian Overshawn. He is, you know, the linebacker, kind of that swing position. He's got you know, almost 70 pass rep snaps and 250 coverage snaps. So he's playing kind of all over the place. Um, How TCU kind of gets him in conflict, uh, I think will be really, really important. The other guy I'm looking at kind of up front is the combination of uh, Tavondre Sweat and Keandre Coburn. TCU's offensive line against Texas Tech got a little bit, a little bit strained. And if those guys could do some damage, that could really start to um, mess up some of TCU's flow there. So that's who I'm watching uh, on, on both sides of the ball for Texas. DeMarvian uh, famously got turned around on a Max Duggan run at the middle, and I hope that uh, we get to do that again uh, against Texas this weekend. Parker, keys to the game, I think, for both teams. I, I think you touched on it earlier. D. Winters being out uh, means that TCU is going to have uh, – it, it's already really thin linebacker core stretched. Um, so how Joe Gillespie and the TCU defense manages to account for that in the first half, I think is going to be really crucial for TCU. Um, and if – Garrett Riley can kind of open his bag of tricks, uh, let Max Duggan cook and do something weird against the Texas defense. I think, I think that's going to be um, pretty crucial. Um, anything else? What else are you going to be looking at this week? Kind of an um, unstoppable force means an immovable object because Texas has blown some second half leads this, uh, or this some first half leads this season, Grant, and TCU has recovered from some deficits. So can TCU avoid digging a hole that they can't climb, uh, climb out of? I think will be very interesting to watch in that first half, especially with winters coming back in the second half. We haven't done our preview podcast for this game, but uh, it's Sunday night as we record now. Parker, uh, first opinion, what's your what's your score prediction here? Okay, so Texas opened six and a half. Haven't looked at any numbers. Scott's going to yell at me because I'm going to change this probably when I actually look at the numbers. I think Texas by four, but TCU has the ball and a chance to win. Okay. I I think TCU in every game but the Kansas State game this year. I'm also going to pick Texas. Uh, if you're going to pin me down, say 38-35 Texas. Parker, you are Parker Fleming. You're at Stats of War on Twitter. I'm Grant McGalliard. I'm at Grant McGalliard on Twitter. We host the Purple Theory Podcast. We put out episodes every Monday and Thursday with a recap of the TCU game and a preview of the game ahead. Uh, Stay tuned. Big things coming. Thank you to the Bosco boys for having us on and go Frogs. Go Frogs. And thank you to Parker Fleming and Grant McKechnie. I'm bad at pronouncing last name, so I'm not even going to try to do Grant's name. Uh, big, I'm a big horn frog guy on Saturday. Um, I can't wait. I can't wait at all. Uh, I'm nervous. It's going to be a big one on Saturday. 
Uh, so yeah, on, on both sides. Um, so hopefully we are taking care of business versus Baylor so we can keep an eye on that game going on in Austin, Texas. All right, we're going to wrap up with Wildcat Roundup. Um, first, let's start talking about the men's basketball game. So uh, first off, I was able to go. I had an absolute blast. Um, they do a great job in-game entertainment. They do a great job uh, putting together... Uh, they uh, presentation. They have great videos. Um, I was pumped. Uh, it's just a fun brand of basketball. These guys are hyper athletic. These guys uh, can run up and down the court like crazy. They did a much better job shooting the ball in uh, in the game uh, versus uh, UT Rio Grande Valley versus what they did versus Baylor, going forty four percent from three. Uh, 45% from the field, 42% or 72% from the free throw line, getting to the free throw line 29 times, which is something I like to see. Um, Naquan Tomlin, 14 points. Keontae Johnson, 13 points. Marquise Noel, 14-ish, 10 uh, points. Bebe, 12 points. Desi Sills, 10 points. Tyke Green, 9. Cam Carter, 6. And David Gusan, 5 Nice distribution of the scoring. Um, leading uh, rebounder was Tomlin with eight. Marquise Noel had seven assists, four steals, only one turnover. Guys, it, it was about as good of an opening game as you could hope for. Now, you did still turn the ball over 14 times versus a vastly inferior opponent. You did struggle at times to finish up near the rim, only about, I think, 52% up at the rim, and you had six converted dunks, so that is not great either. You did hold them to 26% shooting from the three, under 40% from the field. They got to the line 22 times. Uh, They also grabbed eight offensive rebounds. We grabbed 14. We grabbed 26 defensive rebounds. They grabbed 26 defensive rebounds as well. I'll say this. I, I don't love giving up eight offensive rebounds. I think at times, and and Coach Tang said it, he said, you know, to be able to win the Big 12, we're going to have to bring the intensity for 30, 35 minutes a game, go all out. I think they maybe did it for like, I think he said 17 minutes. I think maybe he said 10 to 12. I don't know. You could see at times, especially in the second half, this team shut it down a little bit. They got a little bored, which is bad to say. Um, but I I just had so much fun at the game. I'm not worried about them kind of turning it off a little bit. Uh, even in the opener, they were up big. Um, they didn't have to be turned on. They didn't have to be. So I'm not worried about that. I, I don't think uh, that's going to be an issue in bigger games, or at least I hope it won't. It'll be interesting to see how they come out, what sort of energy they come out with in that very uh, first road game because they are at Cal on Saturday. They're at Cal. It's a 6 p.m. kick or tip-off on Pac-12 Network. So uh, I have access to Pac-12 Network. I know not everyone does. I think that's probably going to be a tough one for a lot of folks. Um, so I'll I'll be watching uh, and. You know, Cal sucks. They lost their first game. 
what they lost their first game to UC Davis, seventy-five to sixty-five. So I imagine we will take care of business, but we'll see what happens. Uh, one final note, uh, specifically on Keontae Johnson. Again, um, we're going to be shifting into basketball here soon, um, so we'll, we'll talk more about uh, these games. We'll go more in depth, but Keontae Johnson only shot the ball eight times. I want to see that number go up. You know, if you look at it, again, it was an efficient night for a lot of guys. You know, he actually shot the ball uh, the second most on the team. Tomlin shot it uh, 12 times. But Keontae Johnson can get a bucket basically whenever he wants it. I think he got all 13 of his points like in a five-minute period. He's a guy who can take over games. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. And, and it was nice to see him out on the floor first time since coming back from his uh, you know, heart scare. And there was a lot of great national media around it. Absolutely looking forward to it. Again, I think we should be able to take care of business uh, versus Cal. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll be logging off work. I'm going to make sure that I am watching that from the jump. Um, let's go to the women's team who absolutely dominated Central Arkansas, 83-43. to I was able to catch the back end of this game, and they really took care of business. You know, uh, Central Arkansas scored 15 points in the second quarter, 15-15 to in the second quarter. But K-State in the first quarter, 26-11. Third quarter, 25-9. Fourth quarter, when they even came off the... Uh, off the gas a little bit, 17-8. to 83-43 final score. Um, it, 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 was, it was just an ass-kicking. I, I thought it looked good, and that's what I want to see from this team. So Gabby Gregory led the team with 19 points scoring. So she is someone who actually transferred over from Oklahoma. She played four years at Oklahoma. She battled injuries on again, off again during her time. Uh, she was on the all-freshman uh, team back in 2019. Uh, so she has a pedigree. She has Big 12 scoring uh, history. She was a top 100 recruit when she uh, came out of high school. And she's that veteran scoring presence uh, that I think this team is going to need with no Aoka Lee this year. Um, so she led all scorers. Uh, Jalen Glenn, 13 points. Her sister, Briley uh, Glenn, uh, she had 12 points. Serena Sundell, only 7 points. Uh, but when you look at it, she was able to grab 4 rebounds. She led the entire game. or No, I, she didn't lead the entire game. She did have 5 assists, only 2 turnovers. Grabbed 2 blocks as well. Uh, Jalen Glenn grabbing 4 uh, steals. So that's all your, uh, those are your top scores. Taylor uh, Lauterbach, six points. Uh, and then you had some of the young uh, gals really step in and get a lot of uh, playing time. So Emily Ebert, she ended up with six assists, leading the entire uh, game in assists. She had six points as well. And she's going to be someone who needs to step up. She's a senior from Frankfurt, Kansas, and she's going to be backing up Sindel uh at that point guard spot. So it's going to be interesting to see how this team uh, finds their way. They're going to have a big test coming up 
this week. So there originally this was supposed to be, and this is on Friday at 3.30. This is going to be on the Big Ten Network if anyone wants to watch. Originally this was supposed to be a game that featured the men in a doubleheader, but the women are playing in the Milwaukee Brewers Stadium versus the Wisconsin Badgers on Friday at 3.30. So that's going to be a massive game on the Big Ten Network. If they win that one, I mean, look, if they can take down a Big Ten team uh, with this squad, I think that's going to put some folks on notice. And I think it would be fair to start getting those expectations up and saying, hey, look, this is a team that can make it to postseason play despite missing their leader, despite missing their consensus All-American, Aoka Lee, who now has a banner up in Bramlage for setting the single-game scoring record in women's basketball. They also turn around and they're playing Iowa, who is a you know a top 15 team, I think maybe even a top 10 team in women's basketball on Thursday. So that's a doubleheader with the men. And the women are actually going to be uh, the headliners for that. So that is going to be a fun one. I'm going to be looking forward to it. Um, actually... Yeah, no, Thursday. Definitely, yep, definitely Thursday. Sorry, I was pulling up the schedule. So it's it's going to be it's going to be a uh, you know what over the next seven days as you guys are listening to this over the next seven days it really is going to be uh, get to know you time with this women's team. Are they going to be able to uh, split these games with the Big Ten foes? put themselves in a position where it's like, yes, the expectation can be to be a tournament team instead of hoping to be on the bubble. We're going to find out, and we're going to find out pretty soon. So I'm looking forward to it. I hope you guys are as well. Let's wrap up with volleyball. As I talked about in the opening, volleyball got a 3-1 win over Iowa State on the road. Iowa State's a top 25 team. And here's the thing, it is as much angst and as much, I, I'm not going to go as far as saying anger, but um, as, as critical as I've been of this year with uh, the volleyball team, being able to grab that ranked win, kind of uh, break that three-game losing streak, and again, you were in a situation where you had only won one out of six coming into that game. You were one out of six. You now sweep the season series with Iowa State. And look, you have five games left on the schedule. If you can do damage, West Virginia, Oklahoma, TCU, Texas Tech, Baylor. Now, the next three are massive. These are all three games that are winnable. You went five with TCU earlier in the season. West Virginia is bad. You swept them earlier in the season. And Oklahoma... You won in five at Norman. You win this next three. All of a sudden, you are back in the conversation of making the NCAA tournament. You're up. You would get back to 500 in conference play, and that would get you up to 16 and 11. Last year, K State was an at-large bid with an RPI ranking of 47. We're currently sitting at 66. You win these next three. And then you have Texas Tech and Baylor, two teams that would be considered quality wins. Down the stretch, and you split those, you probably find yourself back in the NCAA tournament, despite me spazzing out, melting down, all that type of stuff. Now, that's going to be a tall order. 
because we've seen this volleyball team has not been very consistent. And usually when they're going up against quality opponents, they've not been able to get the job done. Now, if they can get this done down the stretch, the RPI, the strength of schedule inside the Big 12 is going to have them back on the bubble just like they were last year. Just like they were last year. So it is going to be something to keep an eye on. If you guys are listening to this on release day, uh, K-State is hosting West Virginia in Bramlage Coliseum, 6.30 p.m. So if you're in the Manhattan area, I mean, this is a big one. Get in there, support the girls, uh, and, and cheer for them to win. Despite my opinions about the direction of this team, they're good enough to find themselves back in the NCAA tournament, and I'll have a little bit of egg on my face. Who doesn't love that? I love that. I want that to happen. So if you get the chance, get out there, cheer for them. Uh, you know, there's only a handful of games left in the Bramlage era for K-State women's basketball. Three games left before they usher in a new era in the new volleyball arena next year. Uh, the game will be on ESPN+. Plus, So that is an absolute massive matchup. No weekend game. And then they come back Wednesday night versus Oklahoma, 6.30 p.m. next week. So that's going to be a big one. And again, uh, based on the timing these get recorded, we probably won't be able to talk about that Oklahoma result. But again, you win these next two home games, it's game on, and they can find themselves back in the NCAA tournament. So that's all we have today on the Whip Around Show. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to a couple of our friends. I hope you guys enjoyed me talking about this K-State women's basketball team, men's basketball team, and the volleyball team as well. Uh, It's going to be an absolute massive one on Saturday. If you want to keep the good vibes going, here's some football talk. We'll have a recording from the live show uh, that we'll publish in your feeds tomorrow morning. And as always, check out all of our friends in the K-State podcasting world, 3Maw, Aggieville Alley Cats, uh, cocaine Willie, you know, Shake and Blake, all sorts of great stuff. The Powercat podcast, all sorts of good stuff going on in the K State podcasting world. So that's all we have. So for all of our friends who helped us today, for Chauncey Bosco, the Wonder Pup, we love you guys and go Cats. Oh, don't you know? Boys, because I love you from heads. We're on a podcast. We've got girls and boys. Because I love you from heads, baby. Meet me at the cat. Hey. Sports Social Podcast Network.